0: You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. You know, I was, thinking, I was thinking during worship right at the end there, I was thinking, oh gosh, I don't want worship to stop. Worship is so good right now. I just sense the presence of the Lord. And so I, I, I got to thinking, we don't have to stop worshiping just because the preaching has started I think we should just stay with hearts of worship this morning and if the spirit starts moving in here, I'm okay with it if you're okay with it, you know, just Lord, just, just have your way this morning and you, you, you're, I love that one song that we were singing. I can't remember. It might've been the second one, but I'm probably getting the words right, but it had something to do with God being really good. And that just that just struck me <laughs> like sometimes I don't feel that, and sometimes I do, and this morning I just started feeling it, and so I'm really thankful for those kinds of experiences you know like i I had this dream about four weeks ago, and in in the dream uh Amy and I were taking our we we have this grandson who's on his way into the world here in the next 6 weeks or so but but in this dream uh Amy and I are going out to dinner with our 4-year-old grandson i know it's him and and uh he's just he's just standing there against the wall and uh without really going into the details of the dream he he, he meets somebody that he knows in the dream and he It's this little girl about his age and they run at each other and they just start hugging. And right when they start hugging, the glory of the Lord filled the restaurant. And in my dream, I'm falling under the power of the glory of the Lord. And I'm having this incredible experience with with the Lord himself. And then I woke up that morning and just there was this incredible shift in my person and and I, I told Amy about the dream. I texted my family, just this incredible encounter with the living God that I had had in my dream. And I began to think about it. And I realized that sometimes I get stuck in my life. I get stuck in my thinking. I, I lack an understanding. I, I lack some kind of revelation. I can't quite get to where I want to go through my rational thinking and then the Lord shows up and gives something to me and in the giving of that thing I get accelerated way beyond to where I was and it's 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 the it's the gift and the ease of the supernatural life And we don't always experience that, but sometimes we do. And it's really important to us as human beings, as people who are following Jesus to have these kinds of encounters with the Lord. I wasn't even asking for it. That's how good the Lord is. He just gave it to me. But I just want to tell you this morning, if you find yourself in need and you need help from the Lord, ask him for an experience with him. Ask him for some kind of encounter with him. You never know what can happen. Amen? Who's with me this morning? All right. Well, the, the the chapter of the Bible that I have spent the most time in over the last couple of years is John chapter six. I don't know why, but this has just been resonating with me rather profoundly. So I want to, I want to go to that chapter again. If you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter six. I want to read this starting out this morning. This is going to be a really simple message, you guys. I, I, I am, I'm going to prove to you this morning that I did not go to seminary because you're going to walk away going, that was too simple for the preacher to be preaching. He should say something deeper that's more profound. ...than what he's given, but I'm telling you, if you really get this, it'll change your life. And I don't know about you, but I definitely need my life to change... I've been in a season of dryness. I have been in a season of anxiety. I've been in a season of swirling thoughts. The amount of perspectives that people are demanding that I listen to and receive and adopt is at an all-time high. You know what I'm talking about. The world is swirling right now, okay? And and I just started, I began to think, Jesus, what is... What is the way that I should live? What am I supposed to do? What am I responsible for? Because I feel burdens on me that I don't think I'm supposed to be carrying, but I'm carrying because somebody else said that I was supposed to be doing that. And I've found that I've been losing sleep. I've been losing peace. I've been losing all kinds of the goodness of the Lord in my life because I have been consumed with worry and fear. Now, I don't want to, for one minute, tell you that if you apply anything that I'm about to tell you today, that your life of troubles is over. I'm not saying that. Jesus said troubles are coming for you one way or another, but don't worry about it, because I have overcome the world. Okay? That's such an easy phrase for us to quote, but there's a reality in there that we, well, we need to continually get. Have you ever had a revelation at one point in your life? And then at another point in your life, you totally forgot that great revelation that you had. It's almost like God does that on purpose where he gives us things and they revolutionize our thinking. They revolutionize the way we live. And then one day we wake up and none of that goodness is walking with us anymore. And we're like, what happened? What the heck happened? Lord? And I think it's kind of this thing that Jesus does where he's continually wooing us to himself. You know, that that bread, that life, that word that I gave you was good for that day, but I need you to come over here with me today. So you don't get to get one piece of bread for me and then live the rest of your life without me. It's like this continual receiving from Jesus, all right? So John chapter six, starting at verse 35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe all that the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that the Father has given me. But I will raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up. At the last day, let's just let's just pause for a minute and pray. Heavenly Father, we're so glad for your word this morning. We're so glad that your word is an anchor to our lives. It's a light to our paths. It's a fire in our bellies. It's joy to our hearts. It's the peace in the middle of the storm to us, and right now, Father, we want to tell you this. We submit ourselves to your word this morning. We want to tell you we need your help. We want to tell you we need your mercy. Actively working in our hearts, in our lives, right now. So we submit ourselves to you in this moment. Lord, help the preacher preach. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, This is what's going on in John chapter 6. You should go back and read it later today, but a whole lot happens. So it begins with a miracle. There's a feeding of the 5,000. That's where the chapter starts. A bunch of people are fed out of nothing. And then there's another miracle that happens. The disciples get in a boat and they're going from one side of the ocean to the other. They're crossing the ocean, this little sea, to get to the other side. Jesus comes walking on the water. That's happening in John 6. And then what happens is Jesus starts announcing to the world that he's the bread of life. He starts saying to the people that are around him, including the religious uh, Pharisees and scribes, that he has been sent from God. Not as manna like Moses gave, but as the bread of God sent from heaven to save the world. And he starts saying all this really crazy stuff. And what ends up happening is that he loses a whole lot of his followers. You know, he had a big group of followers. He, he, he had these orbits. He had, his, he had his best three, Peter, James, and John. Those That was like his inner circle. And then he had his little outer court group of 12. And then he had this 70 or 120 or so that were kind of, they were in the swirl of him everywhere he went. But in John chapter six, an interesting thing happens. He starts saying crazy things like, I am the bread of life. And unless you eat of me, you have no part of me. Unless you eat my flesh and you drink my blood, you have no part of what I am doing. And it says that all of his disciples scattered. This saying was too hard and they left. So here's Jesus in the throes of ministry saying a bunch of really great things that is going to absolutely change the world. But the majority of people who hear those words abandon him because they are offended. So here is something that you should know. God can speak, and just because he speaks does not mean that people will hear it. God can speak into your life, and it is possible for you to be offended by what he's saying to you. Just because Jesus is speaking to you does not mean you're receiving what he's saying. So a whole bunch of people scatter away from Jesus. And then there's a little motley crew left right there. And Jesus looks at the rest of them. There's 12 of his disciples left. He says, hey, do you guys want to go now too? He's letting them off the hook. And Peter comes up with his one of his most famous statements in the Bible. It's really one of the greatest revelations in all of scripture. He says, no, man, we're not going anywhere Because we are all out of options. He says that. He says, Jesus, where else can we go? You alone have the words of life. But but by my reading of that, I'm not thinking he's got this major downloaded revelation from the Holy Spirit. He literally has no other options. He has come to the place in his life where he is stuck between a rock and a hard place. He has already traded everything in of his livelihood in order to follow this Messiah that he's totally confused by. I mean, he's seen the signs. He's seen the wonders. He's seen all the wonderful things that Jesus has done. But Jesus keeps saying weird things like unless you drink my blood, unless you eat my flesh, you have no part of me. Man, we can hear those words now and we're like, oh yes, I understand that. I get that. I understand that. Truth be told, you don't understand it yet. I don't understand it yet. That's why we're having this conversation. Cause we are pursuing an understanding of these things, right? Imagine being the very first people who heard those words. Here's a guy who shows up out of no- nowhere and says, you must eat my flesh or you're not a part of what I'm doing. I am a part of those people that left. I am leaving that church. The pastor gets up and says, unless you drink my blood, you don't have any part of me. I am not sending my tithe to that church anymore. I am, I am out of there. So this was a really difficult moment for these folks. Okay. And I get, I, I have this sense right now that many of you in this room, you're kind of in a difficult moment, you're kind of in a place where you don't know up from down right now, because the world is just topsy turvy, to say the least. In this in this past season, I've heard so many stories from folks that have lost so big. They've lost like they've had the biggest losses of their life in this particular season. Robin and I were talking earlier this week, and and he he was saying to me, you know, Andy, I. I've changed my story. I think this might be the hardest season I've ever seen since I've been alive. You know, I mean, we had been comparing notes and we had been thinking, yeah, this, this does feel like some other seasons in the past, but man, the more accumulation of difficulty that we are encountering, it does seem like folks are really struggling. And in, in the, the complexities of All of the issues that exist. Somewhere along the way, I kind of lost the idea that there was a possibility that I wouldn't have to live in constant anxiety. I just felt like that was the thing that I was supposed to be doing. Wringing my hands all of the time in constant worry and frustration because people were telling me that that was a faithful way to be. But what was happening was that I started, I like started dying. Like my spiritual life began to recede. The life that I once felt in my heart and my mind began to recede because I was being consumed by the worries and fears of the world. I don't want to tell you. That as Christians, we get to live in denial of the realities of the world. In fact, what I am telling you, what I'm about to tell you, is actually the strength you need to face the realities of the world. Christian, be, Christian human beings are not called to you know, live this life where we're denying all of the issues that the world is facing. But we are called to this greater reality of trust and belief in the bread of life. So I want to read you the scripture. It, it struck me so much. Gosh, I've just gotten off my notes. I'm so sorry. It doesn't matter. I mean, what good are notes anyways, you know? Let me just say this. When I was, when I was writing this sermon this week, I, I began to realize that belief the simple word the bel- that belief is a, is a gift it's a gift to you it's a gift to you and i we use that word like belief in god or belief in jesus and and when it becomes nonchalant we kind of miss the power of the exchange that's happening there and i really had this sense this week that the holy spirit was leading us Back to getting reacquainted with with the gift of belief that Jesus wants to give us so here 's something I want you to know that belief in jesus your your active believing in Jesus is rooted in the life of the spirit, so as a Christian. You are not called to only using your rational mind. You should use your rational mind, but you are so much more than somebody who is just using their rational mind. Okay? Belief in Jesus is rooted in the life of your spirit. And the Holy Spirit is drawing us into the gift of belief. To the grace of belief and we get to participate in it by actively believing and trusting in the Lord. So here's, here's the part where I was telling you this was going to sound way too simple for, you know, a guy to have a vocational ministry of preaching. But I'm telling you, it's, it's as good as this. I know it sounds foolish, but this is how God has chosen this to work, y'all. It's not how smart you are. It's not how wise you are. It's not how good looking you are. It's not how religious you are. It's not how politically active you are. It doesn't matter if you have a lot of followers on Instagram or no followers at all. Here is what matters is that you believe in the one that God sent, namely Jesus. And belief, I'm not talking about mental assent. I'm not talking about you agreeing with some dogma, some stated belief. You, you sing a stated belief. We believe in Jesus. Now, that, that's important. Stated beliefs are important. But it's got to be something more. It's not, I agree with that statement of belief. It's that in your heart, you have this active pursuit of unifying your heart with his heart. You are actively looking to see what he is doing. You are actively looking to see what he is saying. And in that, you begin to participate in it. In that belief and in the work of the Spirit. Amen? It is eating the bread of life and consuming the one that God sent, like we see in John 6. So I want you to look at another scripture with me. And this is actually bonkers profound. It's bananas. Have you ever wondered as a Christian, what the work of God is, is for us to be doing? I mean, like what I'm about to say is not the full theology of what the work of God is, but it is included in what the work of God is. Like, Here's, here's one thing you should do. You should read Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. Some call it the Sermon on the Plain. De- depends geographically, you know, where you're standing. It could be a mountain, it could be a plain. It doesn't matter. The words that were spoken in that geographical location changed the course of all history. Jesus not only is the way of and the truth and life, but he actually showed people how to live. So go read Matthew chapter 5 and make it part of your consumption, okay? But that isn't just the work of God. There's something else in John chapter six that could actually profoundly change you for the rest of your life. Okay. And it it goes like this. John six, verse 29. Oh, let me back up one verse. And they asked him, what must we do to do the work that God requires? These were people who were very familiar with the law. They knew all of the things to do to get closer to God. They knew how to be ceremonially clean. They knew how to follow the rules. And in all of that rule keeping and the use of their rational logic minds, logical minds, they had learned or they thought they had learned how to get near to God. And Jesus turns that whole thing upside down. They're saying, hey man, you say you're the bread of life. Show us a sign. He's like, I'm not showing you any more signs. I've done one sign after another. You're only here because you ate the bread that I produced for you. You didn't even care about the miracle that you saw. You're just caring about the fact that you have a full stomach now. And they said, well, do it again and we'll believe you this time. He's like, I'm not doing it. Well, then at least, at least, Tell us what the works of God are so that we can participate in them. And he says this. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that God sent. At that point in history, everything changed. Jesus is telling the world, here is it's what you do when you don't know what to do. Believe in the one that God sent. When you don't know up from down, right from left, side to side, what, what do I do, Lord? Believe in the one that God sent. Believe in the one that God sent. And you might save me, duh. I signed on the dotted line 12 years ago, man. I already asked Jesus into my heart. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about your salvation moment. I'm so glad for your salvation moment. I'm so happy for the moment that you came into the family of God. I'm so glad for the moment when you were called into the family to be a witness into the world, that the gospel, the freedom of God is the good news that sets the poor free, makes the blind see, makes the lame walk, makes the dead come alive again. I'm so glad that that's what you're supposed to be doing now. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your work right now, today, is to believe in the one that God sends. It's not neutral, y'all. It's not complacent. You do not get to live this faith life in neutral. You must shift it into gear and you must move forward in one way or another or you will be taken away with the streams that are flowing through this world. And you would be making a mistake if you did not realize that there are people, there are forces at work that want you to agree with what they think and believe. And the only thing that you're responsible for in the sight of God is what Jesus just said here. Believe in the one that God sends. That's taking it right back down to Christianity 101, y'all. But it's that very thing that will... produce, enable, enact the life of the spirit in your actual life. And I'm not saying you'll be rich. I'm not saying you'll be famous. I'm not even saying you'll be happy. I'm just saying that in your heart, in your mind, there will be a knowing. There will be a, uh, there will be a believing. You will be consuming the bread of life in that place. And, and you know, The thing is this. There are advantages. There are advantages to believing simply in Jesus. So why does it matter that we stay with this seemingly fundamental truth? Because, y'all, real active belief actually relieves what ails us. It actually relieves the things that afflict us. So look at this. John 6.35. Belief in Jesus will satisfy your hunger and your thirst. It will literally do that for you. If you are actively walking with the Lord, He will satisfy the underlying ache that you feel in yourself. Do you ever put your head down at night and realize that you feel unsatisfied? It's because you haven't eaten. You haven't drank. John 635. Man, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. And he who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. That's a radical claim. That's such a radical claim. But we can, we can count on it. Belief in Jesus relieves the weariness of your life. I know that when I feel extra weary and tired, it's because I haven't come to Jesus. Jesus says that in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. He says, come all ye who are weary and tired, come to me and I will give you rest. Do you know that in order to do that, there's gotta be some activated faith, activated belief on your part? You know, there is like Jesus in human form. He does exist. He does actually exist, but he's not actually right here in front of me. I mean, he is kind of like metaphysically speaking. He's here. He's everywhere. The Holy Spirit is here. He's been poured out. We're not living our lives apart from Jesus, but the man Christ Jesus is somewhere else at this moment. So it takes belief. It takes active faith to see ourselves coming to him, doesn't it? we have to go to him. We have to give him our weariness. We have to give him our tiredness. We have to give him our heavy yokes and our heavy burdens. And the more often we do that, the better off we are. If you're like me, I'll go two and a half weeks without talking to him. I'm just being honest with you. I just get busy and I'm going through my life and I'm doing all the things that Amy and I have to do to keep our lives together. And somewhere along the line, I'm we're, we're both asking ourselves, why are we doing any of this at all? Like, what is this all for? And then we have to have a little like gathering and where we're just like, you know what? We have to get back to the Lord. Like the Lord, he is the source of our life. He is, he is our life. And every time we start living our life without the life, we get off. It is so deceptive because we get in the busyness. We just get going and we just, we literally forget him. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, one of my prayers in this season is, Lord, help me not be forgetful about you. Let my ears be open to hear what the spirit is saying so that when you're drawing me, I'm listening. I'm not one of those disciples that left offended because of what you said. You know, what offends me about the Lord is that he doesn't really care about my busy schedule. Like he literally is always drawing me. My schedule is filled and he is not, he's not taking that into consideration. He's like, man, I know, I know you're busy, but the bread of life. The bread of life that you actually want is over here and you're going to need to take time out from your busy schedule to come eat this. It's way better if you do. Your life is, will be better if you eat this. So belief in Jesus satisfies our hunger and thirst. Belief in Jesus relieves our weariness of life. And here's, here's one last thought. I'm going to try to wrap this up. Belief in Jesus and I actually really think this is important right now for the moment that we're in, y'all. Belief in Jesus relieves us from the fear of death. It relieves us from the fear of death. Now, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of folks over the last few years. And I, I will say this. Theologically speaking, there has been a big shift in the conversation away from life after death to life on earth being emphasized as being important. And I will tell you this, that is a good thing. Your days on this planet matter. If you're, you're only living so that you can die and go to heaven someday, you're not doing it the way that Jesus asked us to do it. Your days on the earth matter. The way that you live your life matters. You are the salt of the earth. As you're walking through this planet, the apostle Paul says, you are the fragrance of Christ. You are literally carrying around the death and resurrection of the Lord within your body and everywhere you go, that thing spreads out. But I want to, I want to just Swing that idea a little bit back to the center and say this, Jesus was very concerned with what we thought about life after life. So all of the existential anxiety that people have surrounding the fear of death, this is not a modern thing. This has been going on since the beginning of time. And what fascinates me more than anything about John chapter six is that after all of these miracles that he's done, feeding the 5,000, walking on the water, he heads into this sermon where he's telling the world that he's the bread of life. And within a span of 10 verses, here's what he does. I just got to read this to you. It's so good. I tell you the truth. Oh, let me, let me back up. For my father, my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up in the last day. Okay, there's his first claim. And, he, and then he goes on. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. That's the second time. Then he goes on. I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. There's the third one everlasting life. Then he goes on. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. There's the fourth one. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. There's the fifth time. And then he goes on, he who feeds on this bread will live forever. There's the sixth time. And then he goes on, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. And yet there are some of you who don't believe. Oh my goodness. So, within a span of 10 verses, Jesus iterates and then reiterates. And then reiterates six or seven times telling them, here's the equation, y'all. What you think about me, how you receive me, if you receive me or not, matters. But those that do enter into this life of belief, I will raise them up on the last day. I will resurrect them from the dead. He is, he is being explicit He is not being vague. He is telling us and the rest of the world, this is important. Do not be afraid of death because as you connect yourself to me, as you unite your heart with me, you will begin to understand that death is just a doorway. We're all going through it, but for Christians, it is nothing to be afraid of. And... I mean I think that's pretty important right now in the world that we live in. There's just so much going on. So that's really heartbreaking though what happens in John 6:63. 6, he says, the spirit gives life and the flesh counts for nothing. And the words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who don't believe. So I would just close with this and, and just being honest about myself. I've gone off down some roads in the past couple of years trying to investigate different ways of following Jesus different lines of thought different different ways of being a christian and and some of that investigation has done me good i it, it it's it's good to read broadly what the great thinkers in the world are thinking But I realized somewhere along the line that I wasn't smart enough to keep up with everybody that was coming down the pike with a new idea. And I had to get back to my beginning place. Like when I first encountered Jesus in my life and when his words first began to produce fruit in my life, I had to go back to that place. And it it really is the place of childlikeness, You know? You don't have to be a genius to follow Jesus. You don't have to be a genius to get radically converted by him, changed by his spirit. And and I'm so convicted by that last scripture in verse 63, where it says that some like the, the, the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. And some of them heard this and they did not believe. And I've, I've just before the Lord, I was like, Lord, all the times, all the times when I've heard the words of your spirit that bring life and I have rejected you, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm sorry. Shake the dust from my heart, shake the dust from my mind and let me receive, let me receive what you have for me and my family right now. How many of you can relate with me on that? Why don't we close out today? Let's just stand together. Let's just, let, you know, in some of the churches I was at once a part of, we had a thing called ministry time where you would respond to the sermon. You'd come to the front. There would be a ministry team. They would lay hands on you. And, you know, we're not really in the season where we can really get away with that, but we can lay hands on ourselves. We can have ministry time right now, right where we're standing, and God can work, God can move, and He can, He can do a miracle in your life right now if you need it. Let me ask you this question, and don't raise your hand, just, just rhetorically I'm asking this, and you just answer yourself. Has unbelief settled on your mind? Has, has there been a, a level of discouragement that has allowed unbelief to take you over to where you mistrust the Lord now with your life. I just believe that the Lord wants to knock that dust off your heart, knock that dust off your mind, even off your body. You know, the way that disappointment trauma sets on our bodies, that's real. We can get that stuff knocked off by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's just pray. Father, I thank you that the working of your spirit is 99.9% on you. You're doing it, Lord. And it is in your heart to move on your people and to pour out your spirit in a new way. And God, we just want to submit to you right now our unbelief, our lack of trust, We want to submit any worry, any fear that we've been walking around in. And God, we give them we give all of those things to you right now. And Lord, also I want to I want to ask you to come help us in our troubles. Some of us have real troubles right now. Some of us have real burdens that we're actually living through. And we don't want to be a people that are trying to ignore those things. But, Lord, we do know that the scriptures say that we can ask you for help. We can ask you for wisdom. We can ask you for mercy. And you give all of those things generously. So I pray for every person in this room who needs wisdom for whatever it is that they're walking through. We ask you for it, Lord, and we thank you for it. And Lord, this week, as we're walking through our lives, let us be aware of your spirit going with us and open our ears to hear what you're saying to us every day this week. In the mighty, matchless name of Jesus, the risen Lord, and all God's people said, amen, amen. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.